0: Today, we're gonna to speak uh, with Karti Madhaswamy and, uh, Karti and Karti has been here before. You've been here before, Karti, right? That's
1: right, a couple of years ago, yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah, so we're gonna catch up and um, and level set on how COVID has been and you know how, uh, how the ecosystem around us is evolving, how your fund is evolving and so forth. Like. So welcome back, it's great to see
1: you. Yeah, good to and, see you, uh, thank you. And-
0: it's wonderful that the U.S. at least is turning the corner uh, on COVID. India is a whole different story. Unfortunately, I have several family members who are infected. We had a death earlier in the week, and we have another aunt who is critical at the moment. So it's really a bad situation in India. So I'm very, very sorry for those of you who are in India and experiencing a similar, you know, Horrible situation in your friends and family, so uh, be careful, be safe, and let's uh, get started. Marty, let's uh, let's catch up. How has how has things how things been? What is uh, what are the highlights of your last 15 months?
1: Yeah, it's been a, it's definitely been a weird 15 months, uh, but we've been fortunate to you know to to to, to, to be actually doing our work during these 15 months. Uh, And uh, yeah, we are aware of the situation in India, and we lost our high school classmate as well, which was very heartbreaking earlier this week. So uh, hopefully everybody's safe, and uh, India turns a corner as well. Um, Yeah, we decided to be active through the the pandemic period in terms of investments. We did not uh, take a step back. Uh, and the first six months of the pandemic, uh, there was, there were a lot of investors who probably took a little bit of a step back. But then since last fall, everybody has come back in. Everybody has realized that technology is probably the way to go forward. And that's where the value creation, wealth creation uh, opportunities are. So it has come back kind of a little bit uh, uh, roaring in a way that nobody expected probably a year ago. Uh, we had stayed mm-hmm. even keel and invested through the process So since the start of the pandemic in the last, since March, we have made four investments, which is kind of our annual pace. Uh, um, uh, so we do kind of seed to series A and that, and we take active role in the company. So that's our act, active pace for four to five companies a year. So we, we have kind of maintained that. Um, yeah, so, uh, uh, but I I would say today, the activity level is pretty high uh, uh, across the board. Uh, We do deep check. Uh, Deep tech is probably a little more even especially at our stages, uh, because you need to understand the technology, uh, evaluate technology, why such a technology would work, and maybe there is a little less uh, uh, frantic pace uh, in deep tech, but across the board, it has just gone up.
0: So um, let's do two things before uh, anything else. Let's talk about the companies that are uh, not the Ford that you've invested in the last fifteen months, but the ones before that. How have they fared in COVID, and what are you know what are you learning based on the trends and their your the behavior of your portfolio companies and their experience in the market?
1: Yeah, they, they've gone through this roller coaster of a ride. Uh, um, I think mean, initially, the first three, four months of the pandemic, um, sales process kind of stalled. Uh, you couldn't do a in-real-life demo. You couldn't get the conversation moving from pilot to, uh, you know, advanced discussion and uh, getting through a P.O. process. So it was all slow at the time. So a lot of the focus for the company was to make sure that the cash would last for a longer time. So there's a lot of... Uh, a proactive management in terms of either staff reduction or kind of salary cutting or in terms of making sure the um the the, the cash will last for a longer time uh, but i think a lot of it changed i think people the behavior changed from the customer as well even big enterprise customers as well where starting last fall you know you could do a go through a sales process completely on zoom or uh, completely on zoom or completely through video conferences you didn't have to have the real Real life conversations or meetups and uh, to to get the sales to a close. So we started things kind of picking up. um, So, but everybody has kind of figured out a way to now work around that. I think as a a venture capitalist, it's really relatively easy to do this over Zoom. But I think as a company with like 100 employees, you know, just managing all the folks through through our remote tools and through Zoom is definitely has its own challenges, but I think the portfolio companies have done a good job. They all have figured out a way working arrangement to get the best out of this out of this setup. Uh, but, the, but the customers came, started coming back uh, in terms of uh, their, their behavior changed, uh, going, through a, going through the finish line just on Zoom started happening, which basically meant that uh, the pipeline started kind of flowing through uh, deals started closing, and uh, I think starting this year, it's almost feels like uh, they're back in the kind of the normalcy in terms of okay, here, here's our projection, here's what we're going to achieve. Uh, uh, there is no pandemic-related kind of holdup in terms of their projections and their uh, kind of uh, sales velocity and uh, things like that.
0: Karthi, your uh, portfolio is almost entirely enterprise-focused companies, right? You do B2B enterprise businesses. Deep That's, business right. enterprise businesses.
1: That's correct. So, That's uh, correct. Let
0: me, let me underscore what you're um, saying. Um, is the echo, the echo on? On? No. no. Is there an echo? Yeah, yeah there's an echo. Is there still an echo? No, the echo is coming out of your line, Kathik. So uh, maybe you have uh, the computer and the phone on. Uh, you may need to adjust that. So what? Where I was going with that was, uh, um, you know, when we started getting into this COVID mode of doing business, being not being able to meet in person and but trying to still continue doing business, um, the the buyers, the enterprise buyers were not used to buying technology just on the basis of a Zoom meeting, unless it's a very small deal size, you know, tele-sales oriented uh, sales flow anyway, which, which there is quite a bit of. But, But in larger deals, in larger enterprise deals, that was not the workflow. People were used to meeting in person. So um, would it be fair to say that one of the lessons that COVID has achieved is train enterprises to buy technology purely on the basis of Zoom interactions?
1: Yeah, I think that's one of the biggest uh, outcomes. I think uh, um, people... Necessities probably drove it, Uh, uh, you know, they they realized that some of these technologies need to be adapted for their own productivity, or, you know, uh, their own uh, proper working of their own enterprises. Uh, So the biggest uh, outcome of this thing is people actually doing large uh, uh, sales decisions go to the finish line all through Zoom, uh, through Zoom or through largely remote uh, remote, uh, discussions. Uh, yeah, that's definitely the biggest outcome. And I think increasingly people have become more comfortable. Our portfolio has a mix of software plus hardware and the hardware, you know, there are warehouses and others have been open. Uh, they've been more open through the pandemic than the, uh, than the offices. So some demos, some proof of concepts could be shown to customers. Uh, at the warehouses, like a robot or uh, 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 or like an IoT platform, uh, things of that sort. Mm-hmm. So there was a there was a little bit of advantage to show at least a warehouse, you know, where things can be shown. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, in large, I think uh, the biggest uh, uh, outcome or biggest uh, uh, learning is that people uh, re- have learned a way to work through the entire sales process on Zoom.
0: Which is going to have far-reaching consequences, you know, because we work globally and, uh, you know, there's technology companies, software companies in particular, being developed all over the world today. And and all of these software companies want to actually sell globally to global enterprises. So, I think this is going to be a very interesting, um, you know, learning going forward that is going to make it viable for a much larger number of technology vendors to actually, start selling as small startups to be able to start selling to global enterprises. That I think is a very, very positive outcome of the uh, COVID process.
1: Yeah, I agree. Some of the old rule books could be kind of now turned over. Uh, You know, it used to be you had to have a big team here. Uh, All those things can be now remote. A lot, of, a lot of people can work uh, remotely. A lot of teams can work remotely and manage this process. Yeah, so I think that, that definitely enables a kind of this global uh, technology uh, solutions and uh, uh, you're able to achieve a lot more, especially as a small company where you know you couldn't put like different teams in different places. So I think that's definitely very helpful. Yeah, yeah.
0: Okay. Let's talk about the, you've done four deals, uh, new deals in the last 15 months, while COVID have been in Are these companies have, do these companies have COVID-related dynamics, or they're just regular deep tech companies that follow, you know, your regular evaluation principles?
1: Yeah, we didn't change a lot of our criteria because of COVID. Uh, we did not, you know, we were not focusing specifically on COVID-accelerated businesses um but there are so definitely uh, factors that uh, that influence some of those things for example we did a, a humanoid robotics company which will go into warehouses and factories called agility robotics and uh, what mm-hmm. this pandemic kind of accelerated was this whole e-commerce phenomenon it has always been a big uh, size of the market but then it just accelerated and then uh, more and more e-commerce warehouses and factories realize that the, the, the way to increase productivity is by actually using robotics. It's, uh, uh, it's not necessarily replacing people, but you need to add uh, robots along with people to actually get the productivity gains that you need. So there was a, definitely a factor of COVID kind of helping that, but I, we would have invested that as a technology, that as a company, without covid as well so so there was definitely impact like that uh, uh, based on uh, covid uh, but otherwise we st- we tried to stay kind of uh, good companies uh, larger macro trends how some of these technologies are disrupting the way some of these traditional industries are you know behaving or operating and that's what we went by and obviously a lot of them got uh, you know uh, d- got accelerated through covid but we did not put a special lens We did not uh, specifically focus on, for example, future of work, or remote education, things of those nature. Our our focus has been deep tech, so uh, we definitely saw some acceleration of uh, 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 technology adoption, uh, but we tried tried to stay reasonably neutral.
0: So um, let's double click down a little bit on uh, deep tech seed investing in 2021. What check sizes are you writing and what does a team need to have in place for you to be willing to write that first check?
1: So we invest between seed and A. So a lot of our stuff is A as well. So uh, we, we obviously do selectively seed or post seed or pre A, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and our check size can range from half a million dollars to three million dollars. Our sweet spot is probably million to two million dollars, but we have done three, we have done half a million dollars as well. Um, what we... uh,
0: Let me actually be very specific, just a second. Uh, let's take those categories separately. Let's take the half a million, first check into a company as a category, let's take the you know, million to three million cat uh, as a second category. So it starts with the half a million first check category. What does the team need to have in place for you to consider?
1: So, so we are a deep tech fund. So we look for clearly differentiated technology, and there is a clearly identified market need, uh, and there is a founder fit to both of those things. You know, founders. Have the right uh, either expertise or the motivation or the uh, you know background to 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 provide the technology and also to to deliver products in that market. So we look for those three things at that stage. Uh, we we don't expect revenues at that stage because it's harder at that stage to have revenues, especially for a deep tech company. Uh, uh, but we look for very clearly differentiated technology. So a lot of times. Uh, it might be companies that are spinning out of uh, either a corporate lab or a, or a, or from a, a, um, a university lab where some of the technology has already been built out. Uh, so, so we look for that, and then there is some clearly differentiated aspects of, to it. And then we look for the market, like what kind of what kind of uh, market problem they are solving. They at that stage they may not have done like a one round of you know uh, either. POC or a pilot or anything they may not have done. So we, but so we look for a clearly articulated view of here's the problem, market problem that that needs solving, and this this technology and this product will solve that, uh, and and a early uh, team as well. So and we don't typically invest in companies that that haven't that haven't come out and uh, and started doing the company. So we, we look for like full time commitments uh, So those are some in some focus. Uh, uh, metrics or focus uh, uh, milestones that we look for in a kind of a seed stage there for the company where, you know, we are writing half a million dollar checks. Yeah.
0: What is your perspective on first-time entrepreneurs? Because a lot of these teams are um, inside labs or in universities are first-time entrepreneurs and they're technical founders usually. Right. Um, so would you write a check? based on a technical founder with differentiated expertise and identified market that they want to go after solving a, a real pain that you have some understanding of and they have some understanding of, but not, not much more? Yeah,
1: we, we will do that. Uh, in fact, um, we look for more like hunger, like, you know, the, you know you, you, what do you look for as hunger? Sometimes… Second-time, third-time entrepreneur may not have the same hunger. So we don't try to look for just the serial entrepreneur. We just look for the hunger. Does the entrepreneur have the hunger to, 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 to make this happen? Um, and, and oftentimes in deep tech companies, the, the, the initial founders could be primarily tech founders. Uh, uh, we look for um, adaptability. Uh, it, it's okay to be started as a technical founder. It's, it's okay to be the first, uh, first-time entrepreneur. But I think what we look for is are people, are the founders open to feedback? Are the founders open to kind of giving up some of the control, bringing in a, a, you know business focused co-founder or business focused senior exec early on? So we look for those type of things. Whether they're, they're they're willing to take feedback, willing to be adaptable, understand where their blind spots are, and willing to kind of bring in reinforcements in areas where they have blind spots. I think that's a, that's an ongoing learning. You know, I, I you know, we, we've always been surprised by people who we thought were reasonably adaptable, but we end up, they're not. Uh, so it's, 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 it's an ongoing learning, but I think that, that's what we look for. We, 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 kind of lay the terms as well, saying, hey, you need to bring in such type of uh, person to complement your strengths. Uh, you need these type of go-to-market capabilities. And these are some of your blind spots. These sometimes it's fundraising, you know, uh, sometimes technical founders underestimate the fundraising part of it. Uh, so, so we try to, we try to explain that and then we look for people's uh, uh, mindset around that. Uh, and sometimes we are wrong, uh, uh, but I think that's an ongoing thing that, that's uh, so how you get, keep getting better yeah. as well. Uh, nevertheless, we do invest in technical founders, uh, first-time entrepreneurs, yeah.
0: You know, uh, in 1 million by 1 million, our experience has been – it's been a long time, right? We've been doing this for over a decade, is that technical founders can be taught the business side, And we have, you know, I would say one of the big achievements of 1 million by 1 million is teaching technical founders kind of like this very accelerated mini MBA that that really gives them all the pieces that they need to learn to kind of – put things in perspective, at least for that early stage, you know, the zero to one million stage. We can Because the sales in that scenario, well, in a deep tech deal, you're going to spend quite a bit of time just building the product and talking to customers to figure out what product you're building. Yeah. You don't really gain anything by bringing in a salesperson at that point. It's a founder-led sales process at that point. So, um, you know, I, I almost feel like uh, the yeah, no, no, training people.
1: No, I agree. Right? I think I think we look for more product-focused business people than sales. I agree with you. I think like early on, the sale is done by the founder, uh, and it's really yeah. a technology plus solution. But this product mark, product management, where what is the customer need, what is our technical advantage, technology advantage, and then how do you build the right product in terms of understanding the customer requirements. Um, some, some, some technical entrepreneurs are very good at it. They can learn like is rightly pointed out. They have the product mindset in some cases they could use help saying that, okay, here's yeah. a really what word that, could. yeah. So, but, but it is not sales. It's more are, you finding, yeah.
0: are you finding a lot of, you know, product focused people, people who have the experience of bringing products to market. Willing to take on very early stage deep tech ventures as maybe a CEO or a you know chief product officer in situations like that? Are they willing to come in early?
1: Yeah, we're seeing that. We're definitely seeing that, especially folks that have seen some of the uh, either they have they have seen the problem themselves in their personal life or they have seen this in their past life and they have more of a product mindset and then they kind of team with the technical founder who kind of provides the technology aspects of it. And uh, yeah, we're seeing more and more of that, uh, definitely. And uh, some of the technologies are getting a little more table stakes as well. It's easier to build as well. For example, robotics is an example. Some of the robotics don't require, like, you know, uh, uh, has become reasonably, well understood. There are enough components now uh, where some of the found some of the product focused folks who may not have like a lot of technical background, but they're comfortable now to say, okay, we work with the technical fund and this is the type of robot that we will build. Um, so we will definitely see increased uh, uh, interest in that. So in fact, uh, in the last week, I had like four conversations with folks like that, we, where people are like uh, business people or product people in a different area, and then they are. They, they identify this market problem because they're very good at that. Like, what is the market problem? What is the, what is the need? And then work with, uh, find a, a technical co-founder or technical founder too, and then see how this can be brought to market. And uh, yeah, so we're definitely seeing more of that.
0: Karthi, um, can you comment on a topic that we get a lot of conversations around? And uh, I personally had a very bad experience with this, issue, which is bringing in an outside CEO. So this is, uh, my story was from a you know, much earlier point of my career. I was very young at the time, and uh, I had built the first phase of the business. I had paying customers. I had raised the venture capital, and I had kind of accepted that my investors wanted to bring in a CEO, and uh, I was the product, clearly the product slash um I was a product visionary, I had a good technical team, I I was doing technical uh, development work in India, which is why we were able to do a lot very cheaply. This is late, mid-90s, so Mm -hmm. a long time ago. Mm -hmm. But brought in a CEO who was basically a first-time CEO who had a sales background, you know, a head of sales kind of background. It was a mistake, it was different, and he was... An absolute disaster. So, um, so I'm curious how you're, where in the scenarios where you're doing deep tech investment, where you need to bring in a CEO to manage a very presumably a very tech savvy team um, going after an interesting market opportunity, what nuggets, what lessons from the trenches can you offer as guidance to our audience?
1: So it's a very hard question, and it's, it's I, I, I sympathize with, the with you. It's not actually easy to bring an uh, bring outside CEO. It's not, um, um, oftentimes it's not the right fit. It's just a more theoretical fit. So um, it doesn't work a lot of times. Um, so the, I think the first thing is that be very clear about what the what the need for the company is, and then uh, bring in a person that's, that's, that's actually going to solve that. So like you said, a lot of times the, <clears throat> the, the immediate uh, response is like, let's bring a salesperson. But for, for, for many of the companies, we're being only sales-focused doesn't happen for a very, very long time. You need to be very close to product, you need to be very close, to, to, be yeah. very close to technology.
0: I uh, think it's a very big mistake to bring a sales executive earlier on in a, in a deep tech company.
1: Exactly, exactly. So um, where you have seen success is two, three things. One is where the founders themselves are kind of bought into the idea, right? You know, because that's very important. Like, okay, here is what needs to happen. And uh, here's what, uh, w- what our limitations are. So as a board, we try to spend more time on that part first, like, okay, do you agree that this is what the, the need is? And then you know and then and then bring in a person so oftentimes instead of over optimizing for the right person we actually try to see the more more optimized for the fit meaning sometimes it might be a person that uh, that has worked with the founders in a different capacity in the past where you know they may be the best fit but in terms of the natural transition from the current founders to the ceo that's probably a much better option so we actually look for those type of things where that the chemistry working together trust is lot more uh, uh, is there that's more than the a hey, theoretically this is the right person because they have done this before in the past type of thing so we try to look for that um and then we try to identify some metrics in terms of okay, what are what do, what do we what do we define as success and whatnot so a lot of times we have brought people as a consultant first, like three months uh, four months to see okay here is how this is going to work or here is here are here are the parameters that you want to test it out uh, in terms of working ability with the uh, technologist in terms of uh, helping really for the go to market uh, in terms of ability to carry the conversation carry the sales in you know still a product-minded company so we try to bring in as this three four months as a consultant to uh, to a CEO and that actually is a lot, a lot of the CEO incoming CEOs like that as well because they have an out as well because suddenly, okay if it doesn't work, the fit is not there the, the founders are not necessarily as flexible as we thought the willingness to let go is not there all of them both sides can figure out so those are those have been things that we have, we have we have seen and then you know that way we could find the right the right fit but i think more importantly what we found is that the human element is more important um at different stages and uh, uh, uh so we try to optimize more for that because if there's a if, if the if the current team rejects the new ceo then it's of no use even if somebody's very good so we try to make sure that that buy-in is there uh, but like you said you know try to identify what is the need uh, is an important thing because a lot of times people who come from a big company are used to a brand name behind them used to have a sales force behind them uh, and I think, you know, in a startup that's not there. So yeah, so, 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 so some of those things that need to be, uh, thought through.
0: And, and in a deep tech, very early stage, seed stage startup, you can't really afford to lose the technical team. So if, if it becomes a toss up between the technical team and the external CEO, you have to get rid of the CEO. There's no choice. <laughs>
1: I and agree. You have no company yes that's, that's right yeah exactly
0: so uh, now um the last thing i want to pursue today um is in your you know in the deal flow that you're seeing in your analysis of the market what are some open problems that you have identified for which you're looking for teams you know great deep tech teams that can solve those problems are there any that that you're looking to
1: Invest in. So we try to do. We are more thematic, or, or, or uh, yeah, we're more thematic than very, very tight thesis-driven. Um, so we definitely look for like large tech, like deep tech-led large transformation in traditional industries like automotive manufacturing, agriculture, biology. Um, but we don't try to figure out the exact market problem ourselves. That we let the let the uh, entrepreneurs kind of uh, you know bring that to us because they are the ones are on the ground uh, looking at the problem day in, day out. So we let the entrepreneurs drive that a little bit. But that said, we definitely are looking at areas around agriculture, like precision agriculture. Uh, um, and then same thing in like manufacturing. We definitely see that manufacturing is going to go through a significant uh, transformation over the last over the next few years the last few years, we are starting to see the seeds being sown into that, so we are definitely looking for companies that are trying to disrupt that. Another one area that we are now actively looking at is this computational biology, where computer science and uh, uh, electrical engineering is is, is basically influencing the way either drugs are discovered or the whole drug discovery process is managed. Uh, so we are actually looking at that as well. We're not going to be we're not a biotech fund, but uh, you know we look for more computer science led uh, 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 innovation in some of these areas. So so those are some of the high level thematic stuff that we look at. Um, we, we If you look at our first fund, a lot of the thematic was around computer vision and video uh, because we saw the explosion mm-hmm. of that. We continue to look at that as well. But like if you were to look at like going forward, these will be some of the areas, you know, kind of manufacturing, agriculture, a little bit of space, and then computer, computational biology. So those are kind of some of the themes that we think that are large markets that need to be transformed. And uh, these are uh, these are sectors that spend a lot of money as well, and uh, uh, there's a lot, lot more to be done. So we actively look for companies in those areas.
0: And uh, the teams you're looking for, do they need to be in Silicon Valley or what is your geographical per- perimeter now?
1: When we look at the globally, so we, we have partnerships with uh, we, uh, early stage uh, funds in India, Israel, uh, Europe, so it doesn't have to be purely, it doesn't have to be in, in Silicon Valley or it doesn't have to be in North America, but we are a North America focused fund and early stages, it's very hard to manage help if they're very, very far away and if their focus is not in North America. And deep tech, that's the one good thing is that deep tech is deep tech, which means that if it's applicable for one geography, it will be applicable for every geography. And still in the the developed markets, US probably is ahead in terms of adopting new technologies. So many of these deep tech companies, wherever they are, they have a strong focus in terms of selling to US uh, 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 customers. Uh, So we look for some plans to be in North America so that we can be helpful as well. But I definitely, uh you know they don't need to be in Silicon Valley uh they we, we just try to focus on where we can help very actively if some, if, if, a, if a startup is in for example India and primarily only focusing on customers in India then how are we sitting in Silicon Valley be able to help so then in that case we will we'll tend to pass on that um so yeah so there's no restriction per se but we look for areas where we can help and a lot of times, nuclear companies have an North America focus, at least at some point, uh, because the customers here adapt faster, and that's okay. So yeah. we, we look at all the companies across the board. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, very good catching up, Karthi. Uh, yeah, good
1: seeing you, Ramana. Yeah.
0: Thanks for having See me. you again. Bye bye. Take care.